Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It's another interview series. I am Steven Serta. Very happy to be joined by Bob Stelton. He's host of Wyman and Bob weekdays 2 to 7 Pacific on 710 ESPN in Seattle. You can also follow him on Twitter at Bob Stelton. Uh, Bob, before we dive into the game, uh, I-, I hope you don't actually have to come to Kansas City this week as Saturday right now is uh, projected for a forecast of negative 30 degree wind chills at Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> uh, luckily for me, I don't have to show up there. I will be uh, warm and cozy in my house watching on TV like most of the people out here. Beautiful. Uh, I-, I wish we could say the same here in Kansas City. The weather's going to be absolutely awful, but... Hopefully we're still in for a good football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Before we kind of dive into this Seattle season, Bob, I I wanted to get your perspective just because Kansas City Chiefs fans aren't exactly locked into the Seattle Seahawks and and everything that's gone on there. But, you know, big storyline from the NFL offseason was Seattle trading Russell Wilson to the AFC West to the Denver Broncos and kind of handing this thing over to Geno Smith. And right now, obviously, things have not worked out in Denver's favor. And Seattle kind of looks like geniuses right now, uh, you know, likely getting a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft from the Denver Broncos. But there in Seattle, did anyone actually see this season coming from Geno Smith, who's setting career highs virtually across the board this year? No, no. And if they tell you they did, they're lying. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest about you know, what the expectations were. And, and that's a guy in Geno Smith who's been in the league for a decade now who's been a backup. I mean, he, he was signed to a one-year deal at $3.5 million to be, you know, on the team this season. He was out there for a bit. They didn't sign him during the season last year. They didn't, you know, it wasn't a mad dash to get him. Teams were not breaking down his door, you know. So I don't know what kind of options he had in the offseason to go elsewhere, but the, the opportunity to start. It wasn't there, and and this was a situation where I think, you know, if if uh, Pete and and John Schneider were were honest about what the expectations were after the trade, I think they're the majority of the people in that building probably thought Drew Locke was going to be the starter for this team. That's the way they sort of propped it up. Uh, you know, obviously they always talk about competition. There's going to be a competition, and there was sort of. Uh, you know, that got impacted by Drew Locke uh, coming down with COVID and missing what would have been his start in the uh, preseason back and forth. So they always talked about Geno's got the advantage because he's been here. He knows the player system, but Drew's catching up. But Drew, they couldn't keep enough praise on Drew Locke. So I think that was the expectation that he would eventually be the starter. But but uh, Geno playing in a way that nobody's seen him play before or expected him to play. So yeah, the the long answer to that question is absolutely not. Nobody saw this coming. And, you know, ahead of this season with all the question marks uh, around this Seattle team, was there ever any thought that, you know, Pete Carroll's time could be coming to an end in Seattle? And is that totally out the window if there was now, just based on what they've done this season, no, no matter how it winds up? Yeah, it's, you know, you know how it is with fans. I mean, when things are great, everybody's a genius. Everybody's the greatest player at their position. And then when things aren't great, then, you know, Pete is old and the game's passed him by and John Schneider's drafts are terrible. And, you know, it just depends on what's happening at the moment. Um, so there was there was a sentiment last year that, you know, we, we you know, our listeners, texters, people on Twitter, I'm not going to say they were the majority by any stretch, but you you started getting more, uh, uh, more frequent 
chiming in of people saying those things that Pete's too old. It's it's you know you had Colin Calvert saying the games passed him by, and John Schneider he's got lucky in the drafts with Richard Sherman and KJ Wright and all those guys, and he hasn't drafted well. And, you know, so yeah, there was a lot of criticism about what those guys were doing, and now everybody is on the. You know, I'm guessing a lot of those people that were saying that are the same ones that are texting in or tweeting at me saying Pete's a genius and he knew it the <laughs> whole time and and you know he knew exactly when to get out from under Russell Wilson, blah blah blah. You know, so it just you know how it goes with fans. It just whatever's happening is how they're going to respond. Yeah, it's you know even here in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you go to overtime against the one win Houston Texans once and it's fire the entire coaching staff. So yeah, yeah. There's, that's part of being a fan, right? They're fanatics. It's, it's, there's not a lot of, of uh, reason or rational thinking at times. It's just reaction. A- absolutely. Um, but I do want to get into the game with you, Bob. And just kind of, can you kind of give me an idea of what's been going on with Seattle? You know, earlier in the season, they go on this run and all of a sudden they're looking like a contender in the NFC West. But over the last five games, they're one in four and it just seems like things have slowed down quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we're out here every week trying to figure it out as well because there was nothing gradual about it. We, I think we thought going into the season that the defense might be ahead of the offense because of all the changes. You've got a new quarterback, obviously you got new three new offensive linemen, uh, so we figured, all right, could be a could be a slow start for for the offense. Defense should be ahead of them, and it was completely the opposite. The offense was was clicking right out of the gate. The defense was not good at all. And then somewhere around the first meeting with the Cardinals, all of a sudden they flipped the switch, and the defense is playing great, and and they're shutting people down. I mean, the Giants came in here, and Saquon Barkley was just killing teams week in week out, averaging over a hundred yards a game. And they held him to, I think, below 50 yards. I'd have to go back and look at the box score. I mean, they just dominated. So it looked like, wow, whatever the issues were, they got it figured out. And then just as quickly as it appeared that they had it figured out, they don't have it figured out anymore. They can't stop the run. They can't run the ball. The, the biggest problem with the Seahawks right now is that they're trying to do on both sides, the O-line and the D-line. They can't stop the run. They can't run the ball. And that's that's been week in, week out. Obviously, they're not going to be very forthcoming with details. They're just giving you the the same sort of, hey, we just got to do our jobs. You know, guys got to stay in their gaps. Everybody's got to, you know, do what, what they're assigned to do, and we'll be just fine. It hasn't been that way. So you, you, you got run over by the Raiders. You got run over by the Panthers. Uh, you know, even last week against the Rams, they're like, well, we, it was a lot better. I'm thinking, really? It really wasn't because you gave up 171 yards on the ground. Yeah, 55 of them came late. Uh, in the game on a run that, that, you know, that was busted at the very end of the game, but that still counts. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of head scratching trying to figure out what exactly has gone wrong. But the, the basic, uh, the, the most obvious answer I can give you is they are losing in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I, I mean, I think there's kind of a, a similar situation going on there hearing in Kansas City, at least on the defensive side of the ball and, and the chiefs struggle to, uh, you know, stop the run and the issues with their young secondary. But e- even knowing all of that and-, and getting what you've gotten out of the defensive side of the ball this year for the Seahawks, like who are the players that they need to step up and the Chiefs fans need to be aware of ahead of Saturday's contest to try to turn things around on that side of the ball? Yeah, defensively, I mean, they've had a really inconsistent pass rush. You know, there's, I mean, Uchenna Nuosu was a the guy they picked up in the offseason. It's been very good for him. But outside of him, 
you don't have a consistent thread with everybody thought Daryl Taylor, a guy that they drafted in the second round a couple of years ago and didn't play at all in his rookie year because of injury. Uh, so last year was the first year that he, he actually played. It wasn't his rookie year, but it was sort of his rookie year on the field. And he, he just looked like this guy who's incredibly explosive and yeah, he was raw, but he's got all these tools and imagine what he's going to look like with a year under his belt. So there were a lot of expectations for, for Daryl Taylor that just have not come to fruition this year for whatever reason. They're taking him out on, uh, you know, on when it's a run situation. He's just not great against the run. Uh, they put him out there in passing situations. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting to see what's going on with him. He had six and a half sacks last year. Thought, okay, man, this is a guy who could probably put up nine, maybe ten. And to this point, he's got five through 13 games and just has not been the consistent force. So he's a guy you'd love to see step up. Uh, you you got to have the guys in the middle. I don't know if Al Woods is going to be able to play or not. He's dealing with an Achilles injury. He is a massive, massive human being who's as strong as any player I've ever seen. And he's a big He doesn't put up stats. He's a, he's a guy who's in the middle of the line, but he is a problem. Uh, and without him, uh, they just don't have the girth. They don't have the guy that can sort of occupy that space and require that kind of attention. So uh, if he can't go, that's that's pretty problematic for the Seahawks. And then you look in the, at the back end, Quandre Diggs is a guy they signed to an extension who played extremely well since he came over from Detroit. And this year has just not been a good year for him. Uh, you know, he's just a lot of missed tackles. He's had, you know, ball hit him right in the chest, should have come up with an interception. Uh, just looking a bit out of sorts and not, not entirely sure why, but a bit of a disappointing year for Quandre Diggs. So those are guys I would point to and say they, they need to step up. If, if, if the Seahawks have any hope to beat the Chiefs, which, you know, feels like considering who they are, the Chiefs are, the conditions, where they're playing, that's, that's a long shot. You, you got to play a perfect game, it feels like, and you can ill afford to have the mistakes that have been happening. Well, and moving to the offensive side of the ball, and it, it seems pretty unlikely that wide receiver Tyler Lockett's going to be available this week. He had to, He's dealing with a finger injury that he had to have surgery on, so he may not be available. And you know, DK Metcalf is still having a very nice season with Geno Smith at the quarterback position, but Lockett quietly is this team's leading wide receiver, and you've gotten some good things out of Marquise Goodwin this year, but if Lockett's unavailable, how is that going to affect this Geno Smith-led passing game? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question, one we've been talking about as well, because Tyler Lockett is, is really understated in terms of being known around the league. He, he doesn't have the big flashy profile. He's a, he's a very understated guy, but you look at his numbers, He's one of the best receivers in the league year in, year out. I mean, he's he's the security blanket. He's you know, when Russell was here, if the play broke down, somehow, some way, there's Tyler Lockett who's got five to seven yards of separation on, on the guy covering him. I don't know how he does it, but he does it every game. And he was just that guy. When the play falls apart, Russell scrambling around, or Gino this year, there's Tyler Lockett, and he catches everything. So uh he's a huge, huge piece to be missing. Um, DK Metcalf, I would imagine the Chiefs are going to, you know, do their best to lock him down in, in whichever fashion they see fit. And if they're, if they're able to slow him down, I would expect that, yeah, you'll see Marquise Goodwin, but I would think the tight ends become a much bigger deal, especially if the, if the conditions are as bad as, you know, we're hearing and you're talking about, I don't know how, how well either team's going to be able to pass the ball, you know, especially chucking it downfield if they're swirling wins. So, 
a short passing game with the tight ends. They've got a really good group with Will Disley and Noah Fant and, and uh, Colby Parkinson. So I would think in the absence of Tyler Lockett, we could see a lot of tight ends for the Seahawks. And just looking at the weather forecast, and it's going to be brutally cold here in Kansas City. And it, it is shaping up to be one of those games where maybe you just have to run the ball quite a bit because it, it's so cold. You you might not even be able to feel the football. But rookie running back Kenneth Walker, who has flashed some serious upside this season for the Seahawks and being a, a legitimate playmaker and, and possible star running back in the future. He did miss practice earlier this week with an ankle injury that he suffered a couple of weeks ago, uh, caused him to miss a contest against Carolina Panthers. He returned to have a, an okay game uh, against that really good San Francisco 49ers defense. But if Kenneth Walker is unable to go this week against the Kansas City Chiefs, who do we need to know in that backfield who could step up and possibly make some plays? Yeah, it would be DJ Dallas, I guess, would probably be your option. But they, they don't really pass Walker. They don't have a guy who you look at, go, oh, that's an every down back, whether it's Travis Homer or DJ Dallas. They're nice complementary pieces. They're guys that do different things really well. Uh, Homer's a very good blocker. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's he's not a great great running back in terms of we're going to give feed him the ball 20, 25 times. I mean, he had 26 yards against the Carolina Panthers. And, and Walker struggled a bit. You know, slowed down a little bit even before he got hurt. You know, he came back for San Francisco. He ran for 47 yards. You know, the line has been a problem. The run blocking has been a problem. So unless they get that figured out and figure out how to contend, you know, with guys like Frank Clark and, and, and what you have going there on defense, it's not going to matter who they have running the ball if they can't get that figured out because they just have not been able to do it. You know, you look at the at their leading rushers in the last four games, I mean, Walker had 26 yards against Vegas. Dallas had 37 yards against the Rams. Homer, 26 yards against Carolina. And then Walker with 47 yards against San Francisco. That's just not going to get it done. So to me, it's 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 much more as great as Ken Walker has been as a rookie and, and pretty reliable. If that line isn't getting, some, getting things figured out, then it's not going to matter. And, and it starts up front, and that's where the problems have been. He's Bob Stelton, host of Wyman and Bob weekdays, 2 to 7 p.m. Pacific on 710 ESPN in Seattle. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Bob Stelton. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic uh, about this matchup on the Kansas City Chiefs side than you are, but uh, wish you and the Seattle Seahawks nothing but luck on Saturday. Well, I, I hope you end up being right. That would be a lot of fun, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out, man. Good to talk to you.